welcome to another episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Clayton Lingelzigich. I'm Ravan Order. And joining us today, we've got a consultant at Industrial Logic, Adam Sroka. Uh, welcome, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me. And so today, um, actually, to give a little backstory to the audience, we uh, we met Adam at the Agile Open Southern California a few months ago or weeks ago now. And uh, you had some interesting things to say about some kind of things in the software craftsmanship, um, maybe more of the technical side of things. Uh, so we were kind of curious what you thought about that. Uh, what you know, what do you think of the software craftsmanship uh, kind of movement, or you know, how that's affecting the industry right now? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I think for the most part, I'm a fan of the software craftsmanship movement. Um, there's a lot of really good ideas coming out of there, um, and people really pushing some things forward that I think kind of came out of like extreme programming, but. Um, maybe have gotten neglected by a lot of folks in the community. And I think a lot of ways, software craftsmanship is a backlash against that. Um, although sometimes, sometimes I have to admit, I feel they go too far the other way, pushing against sort of the scrum and, you know, kill all the managers kind of thing. Right. But um, um, I, think, I think that that we really do, as a community, need to focus on, you know, being technically competent. Um, because it's so important to what we do, and especially you look at like lean startup and those kind of things, how they're really pushing the boundaries of you know what we can do as businesses based on having these technical disciplines. Well, you're going to have to practice those to to get get them to that level where they're really going to make money for people. So, so. Let, let's say that I'm um, let's say that I'm a developer and I'm um, kind of you know working on a Scrum team or in some Agile team or whatever, and I am interested in the kind of software craftsman thing, um, but I don't really know where to get started. Like, what's a good first step? Um, if I want to improve my technical skills, for instance, I say, I realize I'm maybe deficient, I want to get better, where do I go next? Right, oh, there's a lot of good places you can go. I mean, I, I think it depends somewhat on, on language and, um, you know, like what environment you work in, because, you know, there's a like really good books out there, there's really good um, screencasts and stuff where you can watch the way other people work and, and learn from them. Um, just as, you know, just as kind of a, a minimal investment kind of thing, just getting in where you are. Um, and then, of course, you know, if, you, if you're willing to, to travel and go meet people and go to, you know, there's some excellent software craftsmanship-oriented conferences now. There's, um, you know, lots of you know, code fests and those kind of things. So there's community opportunities to learn from other people. There's even, you know, people who are really willing to invest a lot have even gotten into this, uh, you know, touring craftsman idea. So it really depends how much you want to put into it. But the resources out there are really amazing. You know, I compare it to when I first started programming, and I, I don't really have any any of these things out there. You know, I had to figure it out on my own. So it's really cool nowadays. And so if I flip that question kind of on its head and say, uh, what if I am, say, like a scrum master or a product owner or something, and um, I realize, you know, my team's generating lots of technical debt, and we have lots of defects, and you know, we're not testing, and all the, I hear about all these things when I go to user groups, but my team's not doing them. Um, what are some ways that you could drive that from that side of the equation to try and help people that are on your team become better um, in a technical sense? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's challenging. Um, you know, a lot of folks find themselves in a position where they've been developing in some, you know, 
on some project for a really long time and maybe they more recently adopted Agile and they feel like they don't really have a lot of this, you know, they say, oh, you know, all this test-driven development stuff and everything, that's really cool, but there's no way that'll work. Um, so sometimes you got to build incrementally towards it and try little things. Um, and there's no, I, I don't know that there's one right or wrong answer how to start there. It, it helps to have some some skilled help, you know, to, to get a coach. Um, but you, you can do a lot just by experimenting and, and seeing where you are and, and definitely measure, you know, pay attention to what you're doing and, um, you know, measure the results. You know, how long are you spending um, refactoring in the red and, and those kind of ideas. Like, if you, if you invest in figuring those things out, um, then you have metrics on which you can improve. I think that's the area that we really is pushing the boundaries that we really need to get more into as a community. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned a term that I hadn't heard before, which was uh, you mentioned a concept called a touring craftsman. Would you mind explaining mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah, that, that's, uh, um, I don't know where that started, but um, it's become popular in the craftsmanship community, um, uh, particularly in Europe. I think, I think it started more in Europe, but it, there's some folks around here. Um, you know, Corey Haynes in particular, he did a, a, a he, he left a job and just kind of toured around the country in his car, going from shop to shop, um, just kind of volunteering his time, working wherever they would let him work. Um, and so now others have copied that. In, uh, in Europe, they have this idea of industrial tourism where like two companies will actually just swap people for a, a brief period of time. So they get exposed to the other environment, get to bring back new ideas, um, you know, challenge some of their own assumptions about how they should be working, that sort of thing. And uh, there's now, there's like, I, I, I couldn't send you straight to any of the links, but if you, if you look at like the software craftsmanship uh, Google group, there are folks on there talking about doing it. I think some people have even been talking about putting together a website where you, you can kind of list the companies who are willing to participate in this. Um, Industrial Logic has been doing it for a while, very informally, but you know, you can, Anytime you're up in the Bay Area, you can show up at the Berkeley office, and if you know Joshua or anybody's in town, um, you know you're welcome to come pair pair on our code with us. So, um, you know that that sort of thing. Um, that's the idea. It takes a lot of different forms, but that's the idea. And so, in your experience doing some uh, consulting, working with different teams, things like that, uh, what's a common pattern that you see that kind of violates some of the XP principles or maybe violates some of the kind of technical excellence stuff. Uh, what do you see a lot of teams doing? You know, I think the biggest thing is, is gee, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go with that question, but the, the one that, that I guess I'll, I'll focus on because it bothers me the most is, you know, teams adopt Scrum coming from something else, whether it's just sort of a, you know, a hacking environment or a, you know, cowboy coding type of thing or, or a more formal, like, waterfall process. But they come into something like Scrum, and they're told we got to have shippable software every two weeks. And so then what they try to do is they try to take whatever they did before and shrink it into two weeks. And it just doesn't work. Right. Um, that's just not the right way to look at the problem. It's not the right way to solve the problem. So getting that, that figuring out how to get to smaller resolutions, right? When we're working really the way that at least agile craftsmen like to work, where it's truly TDD or BDD, so you're working very, very tiny cycles, and then you can compose those tiny cycles into much larger changes, but they ver happen very incrementally. 
that mode of working is, is so vital to being able to really realize the benefits of what something like Scrum is promising. So that's the thing I think that I wish more people were aware of and more people were focused on. You know, it's not just, we don't just want to bang it out in two weeks, we want to get disciplined at working in these tiny increments. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think we, uh, we see a lot of people that, you know, are told that they have to start doing Scrum. Uh, and you're right, there isn't a whole lot of direction uh, from a technical sense. I think that's kind of a thing that's becoming a little more pervasive in the Scrum or, you know, other Agile communities kind of... Uh, it's not enough just to say that you're going to do this methodology. There's some other things that go along with it. So that's a very good point. I, I really like I like the way David Anderson puts it from from the Kanban side. He made the point that if you if you estimate two weeks worth of work um, and you expect to get those done in two weeks, that should only happen about half the time because there should be you know normal variation, just statistical normal variation in your estimates. So. Um, so aiming for two weeks worth of work is missing is kind of missing the point. You need to do something different to to get two weeks worth of value. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you had mentioned earlier in the, when you were kind of in the introduction, you talked about some people maybe taking the idea of software craftsmanship too far. Um, you know, where do you see the downfall or maybe some some pitfalls of software craftsmanship or maybe some things that uh, people who are not as nuanced might be. Um, getting misled, uh, you know, where do you see the problems or the side effects? You know, I, I really, I really have a lot of respect for the people who are sort of the leaders of the software craftsmanship movement right now, and I think that they have the best intentions and they're working in the right direction. Um, where I would caution people is, you know, anytime you get a new sort of movement, it it, it tries to differentiate itself from the thing that came before it. So there's a lot of sort of anti-agile or post-agile ideas coming out in the in the craftsmanship community, and I kind of you know I try to caution people about that. You know, it's it's not that we're it, craftsmanship really isn't saying anything particularly new. I mean, all the uh, you know the, the at least the underlying principles were there in XP since the beginning, and probably in whatever came before XP as well. Um, so just, you know, it's not like throw everything else out because here's this new thing. It's, it's another piece of the puzzle. It's another way of looking at things, and it's valuable that way. Um, but don't say, oh, you know, well, I'm a craftsman now, so I don't need iterations or I don't need, you know, to have a scrum master or whatever. That's, that's taking it a, a step too far, I think. So looking at it from... Uh, another perspective of like as a as somebody who's in charge of an agile team, whether I'm the product owner or the CEO of a company, and I'm seeing that they are constantly producing unstable output that is defect, you know, ridden and and is causing all sorts of problems. H how would you recommend that uh, that type of person would um, motivate their team to to start caring more about software craftsmanship? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. It's it's a it's a complicated question. It's really a people question. So really, you got to get down into the details of you know why are why are people doing what they're doing? Why aren't they doing something else? You know, so and that, and in order to get that, you really need to bring in expert people who know how to how to uncover those kind of things. Um, so what it really implies is, does the company care enough about 
this this idea of, of producing great software and, and not having defects and all these kinds of things, do they care enough to invest the money it's going to take to really get un get under the covers and figure out what that issue is? Because I really doubt it's the fact that you're you've got an office full of professional programmers who don't want to act like professionals. That just doesn't seem plausible to me. I think there's probably something more going on there. So where do you see the kind of software craftsmanship movement um, or the community? You know, where do you see that in, say, like two years, which I guess in this industry is kind of a long time? Right. Uh, you know, I hope to see a lot more of the same. Um, uh, I hope to see, uh, you know, th there's been some interesting movement in terms of tool support um, in some languages. Um, we're doing some actually cool stuff at Industrial Logic in terms of being able to measure what developers are doing inside the tools and figure out, you know, when did they refactor, when were their tests passing, when were they failing. Some of that's been around for a while, but we're, we're going beyond what we've had before, um, hopefully soon, uh, building some, some really new cool stuff. But, you know, that sort of idea, measure what you do, um, you know, balance what you're what you're doing to uh, improve against what the measurements are telling you you need to improve. You know, that's, that's what I hope to see more of in a couple of years. Um, I think we're already leaning that way, but I think also, you know, I, I think maybe we've extended like the kata metaphor as far as it's going to go. You know, like repeating the same thing over and over again isn't going to get us what we want. What we want is to really measure it and improve it scientifically. Hmm, okay. Um, so from like a personal development or kind of professional development perspective, what are some things that you could, you can look back in your kind of career, your experience that you feel, um, you know, really helped you improve uh, either from a technical sense or from maybe the process sense, you know, is there anything you can kind of pinpoint uh, any experiences in particular? Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think moving around a lot, um, you know, there's, there's good, good parts to that and there's bad parts to that but I've seen a lot in a in a in a relatively short career I mean you know I've been doing doing this professionally for about 13 years now so you know I know a lot of guys who've been doing something like what I've been doing for maybe 20 years um, but they haven't necessarily done more jobs than I have because I've just moved around a lot and that helps it gives you a broad perspective it gives you that sort of consultant's mentality of, you know, yeah, this is where you are today, but you could be a better place if you tried this, that, or the other, because I've seen it, you know. Um, so that, that, I think, has been really valuable to me, um, but it's not the path for everyone. Um, the other two, thing, too, is just continuing to focus on the technical side of things. There have been plenty of opportunities in my career where I could have gone management side and maybe made some more money, but it was never appealed to me. I always wanted to stay in the details. And so I've been able to, you know, make a decent amount of money and, and have an influence in the community while staying technically focused. And I think that if you want to do that, you should do that. Good, good. Uh, so if, uh, if someone, a listener, wants to find you, uh, find you online or, you know, go to your blog or whatever you have, uh, where would they go look? Yeah, um, you can look for me on the Google groups. Um, I'm particularly active on some of them, like the Scrum development and... Um, XP, Yahoo Group, and uh, I'm all over them. So, you know, if one of them interests you, hop on there and you may see me. Um, and uh, I don't have a blog up right at the moment. There's, if you Google, Google my name, there's some old ones out there, like on the bigvisible.com and a couple other places. I should have a new one coming up sometime soon, but I don't know the details of that yet. So 
stay tuned. Okay. And is there any uh, any tool or website or person or process or something that uh, you've been real hot on, real excited about uh, the last couple of weeks, maybe that you wanna you wanna plug or let everyone else know about? Um. You know, I'm just you know I recently started at Industrial Logic, so I'm trying to get up to speed on on things going on there. Um, so I haven't been paying too much attention to what's going on outside of it. But you know, uh, Industrial Logic is worth checking out. Our e-learning is excellent for uh, particularly for folks working in you know Java, C sharp, C plus plus. We've got some really excellent stuff there. And, and like I said, it's moving. We're trying to move it to the next generation where we're really measuring what you're doing and helping to give you useful feedback about how to improve. Awesome. Well, we really uh, appreciate you uh, taking your time to do the podcast, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me.